Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Episode 161 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We're on a very slippery slope, America. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends, tweeting at me at Christopher Hahn, and following me on Instagram, Christopher Hahn NY. Kind of hard for old guys like me to have big Instagram following, so I'm doing the best I can. Lots of puppy pictures. But man, we've got a lot to talk about today. Now, I have no guest today, not because I couldn't get a guest for my radio show last week. I had to cancel my radio show last week because I came down with COVID. Uh, yes, I'm fine. You can tell in my voice I'm fine. I, uh, I came down with COVID, uh, I guess Wednesday night, I kind of... Tuesday or Wednesday, I first started feeling the symptoms, and then I tested Thursday morning just to be safe because I had a lot to do that day, didn't want to give anybody COVID, and yes, I had COVID. Uh, minor symptoms, felt better pretty much by Saturday. I just was tired over the weekend, bored out of my mind, sitting home all weekend, watched a lot of golf, watched a lot of, uh, I watched the boys uh, all six episodes that were out of the new season, very, very good. Very graphic, warning you, uh, but very good. Uh, very good. I mean, I, I don't even know. I can't wait for the next episode to come out. I'm excited. Um, but had a lot of time to think about what happened last week at the Supreme Court and what's happened this week at the Supreme Court and what's been happening with the January 6th committee. Uh, had to cancel my show. I had a great guest, Joe Walsh who you've heard before, great guy. We were going to talk about the January 6th committee. Um, of course, uh, you know, the Roe v. Wade decision came out on Friday, so that discussion would have bored you today anyway. Um, even though we are now hearing, uh, as I tape this on Monday afternoon, that the January 6th committee has a special session planned for Tuesday, as most of you are probably listening to this with your morning coffee. I know you probably like to do that. Uh, there is a surprise witness who, as I tape this at around 5 o'clock, I don't know who that is. Uh, nobody does, but it is got my attention. Pat Cipollone, maybe. Maybe Mike Pence decided to step up and do the right thing by America. Roger Stone. I mean, my theory is this. I mean, Pat Cipollone obviously knows everything that happened in that White House, right? Because he was there 
Uh, he had a year of the president. He knew what was going on. But is he a big enough name to warrant a special meeting? Or is he skittish that he might not testify if you don't get him in immediately? I, I don't know. I, I think it's a big name. And, and yeah, I mean, to us political junkies, we know who Pat Cipollone is. But does the average American, do the 20 million people who tuned in for the first primetime hearing of the January 6th committee know who Pat Cipollone is? Are we going to have a John Dean moment tomorrow or today? Or did we have one yesterday, depending on when you listen to this podcast? I think, we, I think we're going to. I think we're going to. I don't think, you know, look, they have done a pretty good job on the January 6th committee of meeting expectations of delivering more than you expected that they would, right? So why mess that up now? Why call this special session? Unless you've got something huge to drop on the American people. Now, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is as we sit here right now. And and I know, you know, you, you know, you're listening to this tomorrow or even later, you know what happened. So you just like, this is a waste of a conversation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to park this till next week, or maybe I'll do a special episode. I don't know. I'm going to park this for now. And I'm going to talk about, uh, the ruling overturning Roe v. Wade and ending choice for many women in this country. Millions of American women wake up today with less vote, less rights than they had yesterday or last week. I think it's a wrongly held belief by the Supreme Court to think that 18th century norms are what we should be judging modern society by, which was the rationale, a large part of the rationale that Justice Sam Alito gave in his opinion. I think that Thomas's opinion should be chilling to most Americans. And I think we should be extremely angry. And that anger better last to November. I don't want to be hearing about people being more concerned about the price of gas in November than their rights. Because rights are on the table. Look, Roe v. Wade basically enshrined in our law the right to privacy, which in turn gave us other things. For example, the right for gays to marry, marriage equality. That is a major, major extension of the logic in Roe. The right to privacy is something we take for granted in this country. We always say, I have a right to privacy, leave me alone. Well, not according to this Supreme Court. And if states want to pass laws that limit your rights to privacy, that Supreme Court believes you can. And they will. And it is disgusting. And people should be angry. And they should take to the streets. And they should protest. But most importantly, they should organize. And they should get people to the polls in November. Now, I was buoyed this morning when I woke up. I read an NPR poll that was taken over the weekend. Uh, the generic congressional ballot. And all year, Democrats have been trailing in the generic congressional ballot. And this poll had them up seven points in the generic congressional ballot. Now, I think in a gerrymander year like this, Democrats need to be up about 10 points in the generic congressional ballot to hold on to Congress. Now, maybe not. Uh, Maybe they get lucky. 
But I think 10 points because gerrymandering gives the Republicans, again, like we live in this country. We live in this country where the minority rules. Let's be clear. They don't just have an outsized voice. They have been the dominant voice. And if you look at this, this, uh, uh, the decision in the Dobbs case last week, that is the minority vote in this country. Not even 70%, not even 30% really wanted to see Roe overturned. There might have been people in this country that wanted to see some things rolled back in certain states, but overturning Roe and its trimester approach to the state's interest in a pregnancy, I don't think anybody in this country believed that, wants that. I mean, sorry, that's not true. I do believe that there are people in the country that want that, but not any significant number of people. The, the, the numbers you most often see quoted are, you know, 65, 66 to 70 percent of Americans support Roe v. Wade. So, you know, look, this is a major, major victory for people who like minority rule. But I don't believe that minority rule is sustainable. And what we have right now in this country is we have 42 senators who represent fewer people combined than the two senators from California. Uh, you know, how is that right? How is that right? I, we, we have to do something about it. And, and, and something's got to give. And we have to organize. And we have to vote. We have to take back this country. And, and that means we've got to win some Senate seats. And I've talked about this multiple times here. Uh, you know, look, you can't gerrymander the Senate. So generic ballot, uh, plus seven. Yeah, I get it. States are kind of gerrymandered themselves. But the states that are in play this election cycle should favor Democrats more than Republicans. It should be a worse year for Republicans than Democrats. So we need to make sure that uh, those people who are running for Senate uh, in those key swing states, uh, particularly Pennsylvania and Georgia uh, and Arizona, win. And we have to come back to the Senate with more than 50 senators. I think we need 52 to get anything done, quite frankly. And if we get that done, I think we need to pack the freaking court. Because enough with this. You know what? They stole a judge from Obama, justice from Obama. And they stole a justice from Joe Biden, quite frankly, if you do it by their math. One way or the other, one of those justices shouldn't be on the Supreme Court, whether it's Amy Comey Barrett or Neil Gorsuch. Because Merrick Garland should have had the Neil Gorsuch seat. And if you want to play that stupid game with that stupid McConnell rule, well, then Amy Comey Barrett shouldn't have been approved. And she was. And here we are. We're in a situation right now where we have a court that's taken away rights. And quite frankly, tearing down the wall between church and state, that decision with that football coach that came out on Monday uh, is just as egregious to me. I mean, it's not just as egregious. Look, it's not taking away the rights of women to choose. But it's pretty freaking egregious. And it's something that, but for the Dobbs decision on choice, uh, would be the only thing I'd be talking about today. This football coach, after the game, assistant coach on a football team, would kneel in the center of the field. And players would sometimes kneel with him. Now, I don't know about you. I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life. Uh, I played sports my whole life. Still play sports. Still run mostly. Play golf. and You know, play soccer once in a while. But I, I was a football player in college and in high school. And, you know, look. If the coach is praying and you're not praying with the coach... You're thinking you're not playing. And I'm sure in high school it's even worse. 
I, uh, I think it's kind of ridiculous to say that this is not a violation of the separation of church and state and that he's entitled to his free expression. You are. He's entitled to pray wherever he wants, but not there after the game. That is a school function. He is in his job as a assistant coach on the football team for that school. That is completely wrongly held, in my opinion. And it's something that the founders of this country, by the way, flawed men who understood exactly how flawed they were and how short-sighted their reasoning was. They were men of science who understood that science was in its infancy. And they knew that things would change. And they wanted the Constitution to be a living, breathing document. They did not want it to be something that was stuck in the 18th century. And But, but one, one thing they really didn't want was the church involved with the state. They didn't want that at all. They were very clear about that. Very, very clear. So, you know, and it's, it's, it's in the Constitution. It's in the Federalist Papers. It's in all the writings and documentation of the times, of, of the time. You want to go back? You want to call yourself a strict constructionist? You want to tell me Sam Alito and those who joined in his opinion that we should be judging our laws based on some 18th century ideal of what was going on at the time and what was traditions. Now, that should scare the hell out of you if you come from a family that was not here uh, in, uh, in 1789 or a family that was in servitude in 1879. Excuse me, 1889. Uh, if you, you know, look, uh, you know, I... My family came over in the in the in the 30s and 40s, um, but if, if you were an African American in 1789, where were you in society? Now, give me a break. You want to talk about norms from 1789? Are you freaking kidding me? But I'll tell you what: one thing that those founders were very clear about: they didn't want the church involved with the government. That was something they were crystal freaking clear about. Yet the Supreme Court doesn't care. Now, there, there were two cases last week. One, I wouldn't have uh, you know, died on a cross for, <laughs> to, to pun, pun intended. Um, and that was the case in Maine where they said that the program, uh, you know, the, the state pays for high school where there are no high schools for these kids. And, um, you know, it couldn't bear parochial schools. Why wouldn't I have died on the cross? Because I read the opinion, and basically they said the law did not did not put any requirements on the schools to give the same kind of secular education as the other schools. So Maine should change the law, uh, put some requirements in, and if the schools don't meet those requirements, don't allow them to participate in the funding. I'm sure some parochial schools might want to, you know, change their curriculum to get that funding, and some won't. And there you go. You're good, according to that opinion. Now they'll change their mind when it comes to them because they seem to rule whatever the ever way the wind blows on that court. But it's a slippery slope, right? We're on a slippery slope with this Supreme Court between the breaking down of the wall between church and state, which is something the founders never intended, and they're trying to pretend that they're all about the founders. It's freaking ridiculous. Uh, and uh, and and what what's going on with choice and the Dobbs case and where we are? 
So, um, you know, my, my feelings on this are, 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 I guess I've been expressing myself pretty boldly, right? I've been pretty loud about this. Um, I am concerned and we should all be concerned of where this country's going. And the only way we have to redress it at the moment is to vote and to get other people to vote, to get people to care about the fact that conservatives in this country are, are dialing back the clock to a place where we will not recognize this country if we let them. So uh, my, my fellow Americans, my, my, my friends here of the Aggressive Progressive Pod, my listeners, my subscribers, please, I know I say it every election, you got to organize, you got to vote, you got to send a message that this is not the country we want. And send some Republicans packing, keep the Democrats in the majority in the Senate, and if you can, the House, I don't know if that's possible, but it's not impossible, um, and make it happen. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back. I'll talk a little bit about January 6th, but not about the special guest that's coming up. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. All right, yeah, so no uh, no news. On who the guest is, the guest. <laughs> it's like a TV show, right? Uh, no news on who the witness is tomorrow. At least, you know, look, if you're listening to this, which you are on Tuesday, you already know who that witness is. And if you're listening to this later in the week, you surely know because you're not listening to my show and not knowing what's going on in that. I mean, it's, you know, it, it'd be very rare for you to be doing that. So, you know, closing tonight, let me just touch on January 6th committee again. I think they've done a superb job of laying out their case. I think that they have irreparably damaged Donald Trump to the point where I don't think he will be able to run. In fact, you're seeing polls now where Ron DeSantis is actually leading Trump in some primary polls like New Hampshire. Uh, that should be a warning sign to Trump and encouragement to others. I happen to think Ron DeSantis can be defeated in Florida this year in his gubernatorial reelection, even in the bad economy. Uh, and I think he should be. I mean, he won by 0.06% in Florida, and he has governed like he won, you know, 70-30. And that he had a complete mandate to do whatever he wants. And frankly... Some of the things he's done, I think, 
annoy Floridians, particularly the stuff with Disney, the don't say gay stuff. I think that there's an opportunity to take that guy out. And given this, you know, environment on choice, I think there should be a lot of effort made to taking that guy down. Now, I know he's got $100 million in the bank, but, uh, you know, I look at polls in Florida. I like, look, I love looking at polls. You guys know that. I look at polls. And I see Charlie Crist beating him by a point. Now, Charlie Crist is in a primary with Nikki Freed. Nikki Freed is only down a point. That, to me, suggests that either one of them can beat him. And I think they're two good, strong Democratic candidates. I hope the primary makes them stronger. And uh, whoever comes out of that primary winner uh, keeps on marching to November and and takes back the state house in Florida for the first time in a long time. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what happens in that regard. Uh, and, and tomorrow's January 6th committee hearings. I, I mean, I've never been so, so excited to watch a congressional hearing in my life. And I used to work in Congress. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are they putting this special together? I mean, this is a group that has done a good job. Like I said earlier in the show, managing expectations. Man, you tell me you got a special witness. He better be or she better be really special. Like I better be seeing Melania up there just confessing that they were plotting to overthrow the government and she wants immunity or something. I, I mean, I there, I want to see something like that. Um, Roger Stone just saying, please don't send me to jail. I, I can't take it. I'm an old man who likes to party. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's, it's something like that. I, I know Pat Cipollone, he knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows what happened. He knows what went down. He was there. But you're telling me that that's your special guest? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's Mike Pence. I don't know. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. But I'm telling you, they have been effective. Uh, I don't know. You know, that NPR poll that came out this uh, Monday morning, um, it, some of it could have been choice. Some of it could have been January 6th. I don't think America wants to slide towards fascism, which is the direction that the Republicans are hoping to take this country. So uh, not all of them. Like I said, there's some good Republicans. They need to stand up too and start telling people. They need to stand up right now and start telling people enough's enough in their own party. You know, I, I, I praised that guy from Arizona, Rusty Bowers, last week, and then he goes out and says, well, you know, if Trump's the Republican nominee, I'm going to run for him. Now, he clarified it. I watched Mercanish on Saturday mornings. He did clarify it. When he was on Spurconish and said, you know, look, I don't want the guy to be the nominee. I'll do everything I can to try him not to be the nominee, but I'm a Republican. I vote Republican. I mean, God, how about not voting? <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. You can skip that line. There's lots of other things to vote for on the ballot. Go to the booth and vote for none of the above if you don't want anybody. Don't tell me you're going to vote for that guy after what he did to you while your daughter was dying. I, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me, Rusty? I had a lot of respect for you. I tweeted out something nice about you. And you're going to say that? Uh, now, look, he, he, he did redeem himself somewhat on Smirconish, but still, uh, you know, give me a break. Say no. I'm not ever going to vote for that guy under any circumstances. I just won't vote. Anyway, enjoy the hearings. If I, uh, and I'll be back here again next week to talk to you some more. So I'm going to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. 
I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.